Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Monday FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon. JP Ong from Primetime joins me as he always does. Except today we're doing it from the lobby of the SPH News Centre, which is kind of fun if you are walking through. Yeah, Hi, we, everybody. We're actually real. Yes. <laughs> you know, there are no AI say, bots here. Has anybody ever said to you, you have a face for radio? Oh, all the time. I was starting with my mother when she was alive. God rest her soul. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is why I am hiding behind the computer screens, because I most definitely have a face for radio. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that these cameras are not yet functional yet. Don't do it, Skynet. I'm I'm wondering about that blue light, though. (laughs) All right. So the markets across the region are more up than down, slightly more up than down. SDI was doing pretty well. And they still are okay. I'd say they're still doing fine. So they came back fine. from lunch and they're doing okay? Yeah, I, I'd say, uh, again, I, as, as is uh, par for the course for, with regards to uh, stocks here, and we're not running away with things again. I guess folks have heard me say that uh, time and time again. But then today, the Straits Times Index is up by about 12 points. So actually, uh, by our standards, that's is a, a solid morning, actually, up by about 0.4%. And that's 3,263. How about that? If you want to ask me about value turnover, well, fairly average. I'd say it's, it's about $491 million. In Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands. More winners than gainers so far. 172 total stocks, reads, and trusts in the green against only 157, which are in the red. So overall, this has been a good day. The rest of the region, again, it's a tale of two, two halves or two regions, actually. Everybody, uh, most markets are trading higher, except those in China. Now, losses in greater China have not been uh, are not by much. In fact, we're seeing that the Hang Seng today is only trading about 10 points lower. So it's not, not it's again, nothing to write home about with regards to this slip. Shanghai and Shenzhen also down by about 0.1, each. So you are seeing just a little bit of profit taking, according to some portfolio managers that the South China Morning Post spoke to out in Hong Kong. Um, but generally, you're seeing the Nikkei 225, the coming of age day. They came back from that and are in the green by about uh, 154 points. The ASX 200 in Australia also trading about 0.9% higher. You got the Korean Kospi also about six points in the green and also the Taiwan Taiex also trading higher today by about 35 points. Overall, it's a, it's been a good, it's been a decent day except for those stocks across China and Hong Kong. But again, losses there, not by a ton and we're seeing here at least in the SGX that, at least, uh, that hooray, we're at least one of the winners so far. And uh, it, and it's it's a solid gate. I think I wouldn't bet too much against it probably swinging back into the red. But again, I've been proven wrong on, uh, on occasion, right? That's what makes the uh, markets interesting. Yeah, and a little bit hair raising also because sometimes you'll have to walk back what you said. So I'm I'm saying to everybody that hey, we're in the green. I have things How change many very times quickly. Do you want to include your disclosure? Uh, well, <laughs> I have to protect my name, right? <laughs> All right. Well, th- there is quite a lot of news. One of it, because we brought it up yesterday, is the fact that SBH kicked off reporting for Q1, um, or at least the season of reporting. As a member of the basket, yeah. The did you say bus basket being B U S T K E T or Pat basket? Basket. Basket. There basket. you go. There you go. You got to bring that Yankee nation out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me let me just first check in on how SPH is, is trading today. Again, okay. Not surprising. You did have a rather disappointing quarterly report. So you you do have the SPH trading lower today, but down by about half a percent. 
Interestingly enough, guess who's in the green today? SBA Street, up by 0.9%. This is what happens when the report card of the child might be a little bit better than the parents, sorry to say. SBH posted yesterday that net profits in their first qu- the fiscal first quarter, and just to remind some of our, uh, some of our listeners, um, SBH's fiscal quarter actually kicks off around September. September. So this first quarter report is for the months of September to November 30 of 2019. Net profits for that time fell by 17.2%. And in fact, we only made about 46.3 million Singapore dollars uh, in terms of the bottom line. And this was hit by lower print advertising revenues and one-off retrenchment costs also. And they said a lot of it was down to um, a more than 13.5% decline in revenues from the media segment. And circulation revenues also fell by about 4%. However, and this is where it, uh, this is the bright spot, I guess, In that report card, it pretty much just came from SBH Street and the property segment. The property segment actually saw their profits before tax, before taxes rise 38%, sorry, more than 38%, to almost 55 million Singapore dollars. And that was boosted by a price adjustment to an asset in some of the student accommodation portfolios. This is a story we've we've actually Mm -hmm. reported on a few times over the last couple of months. And it seems that uh, getting into the student dorm business has been a good move, at least for SBH, and also for some other companies uh, that have started to look at this business segment that's becoming more and more lucrative, it seems. And the performance of the property segment, how much the price adjustment of some of these assets uh, contributed to the bottom line of SBH Street and the property space. Uh, it, it, you know, the numbers are there, right? Uh, their revenues for, the, for that first quarter also rose by almost 19%. So a very stark contrast, really, with how well SBH as a group has done versus how the property space has done also. And, and because of that, the segment's contribution to SBH's profits also increased. So um, I guess this is, this is what, uh, what, what we're seeing at the moment, no? that, that the media side of things, in fact, the industry itself has... Uh, has been under a lot of uh, pressure, whether it be from competition, changing technology, changing trends. But property itself, uh, it again shows the prowess of uh, not just of SBH REITs, but REITs in general that are run in Singapore. It seems that they really know their business and they know what to get into. And so far, this has been starting to uh, increase more and more in terms of how how much they're actually contributing to the bottom line. SBH shares are in the red today. SBH REIT, though, is proving to be a bit more lucrative. So maybe investors today are saying, you know what, maybe we need to take a look at the child a little bit more. I think um, investors have been looking at the child for quite a while now. Yes, yes. And we don't. We mean that in the most uncreepy terms, by the way. Uh, uh, this is true, of okay. course, yes. Now, staying in Singapore, let's talk about SATs. Um, that 25-year cargo terminal concession they won in... Uh, Saudi Arabia is going to add quite nicely to the bottom line. True. Um, unfortunately, Sats today is one of those companies that are in the red. So mm-hmm. this stock price right now tra- uh, trading at about five dollars and six cents a piece. Uh, that's about 0.6 percent down. So Sats just 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 trimming also or taking a step back so far today. But nevertheless, their a unit of theirs out in Saudi Arabia, Sats Saudi Arabia, has won a 25-year cargo terminal concession at the King Khalid International Airport in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Now they're going to construct this cargo terminal and it will take place over two phases and the first phase is expected to be completed in mid-2022 uh, didn't know that it took this long really to build a termin- uh, cargo terminal but hey what do I know about, <laughs> about uh, anything to building do with an aviation airline <laughs> with, a- 
Well, you know yeah, how to fly. I know zilch about how to fly. Other, other than hey, uh, the, well, the only thing I really know about in a plane is where to where to look for the entertainment, right? Um, construction of the Sats cargo terminal again will take place over two phases, and upon com- completion, this terminal. Out in Saudi Arabia, will be able to handle about 600,000 tons of cargo. I think the most interesting thing here is that it's going to be a 25-year cargo terminal concession. So they're going to have a hold of this possible, of this new revenue-generating unit for the next quarter century. And uh, I, just to put into uh, context, the King Khalid International Airport handles about 40%, almost 40% of all the air cargo volume in Saudi Arabia, according to the CEO of SATS, Alex Hungate. And connecting these to their stations in Dammam and Oman and their extensive Asian network will extend SATS' network network of quality cargo corridors to offer greater connectivity and quality assurance. Basically saying, hey, you know what, we're consolidating a regional hub for cargo handling out in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia across some of these key areas, Riyadh, mm-hmm. out in uh, out in Oman, Muscat, and also out in Dammam, so in Jordan. So um, oh, they're, they're up to a lot of things, really. And uh, But uh, this is probably going to cost a bit to build out a cargo sector. It is sector. probably going to cost a bit, and it's probably going to take a little while for the market to react to news like that if it's going to react at all. Yeah. And I think, uh, again, this could be seen either way, which way, right? In the long term, this could actually provide more revenue-generating units for SATs. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you might be spending a lot, which could actually eat and, um, pad your expenses moving forward, your CapEx at least. Whether that, the latter one, is influencing SATs trading lower today, I mean, that's, that it, it is a possibility. But nevertheless, SATs is one of those companies on the STI today that's in the red, trading at $5.06. Now, you know, we... Last year, we talked about the possible headwinds that would be faced for various businesses from various sectors in 2020. Um, And there are also analysts who have come on the show with you and with with others who have said 2020 might actually be a, a better year than 2019. I'd like to see that be the case. I'm not holding my breath, but I'd like to see that being the case. But because budget is around the corner right next month, the wish lists are coming out. Yes. And I'm very happy that these wish lists are coming out because it also helps us, the journalists and the presenters, really figure out what we want to hone in on and mm-hmm. what people really want us to ask. In fact, I remember last year when I when we were going into budget season, I was about six weeks into Singapore, living right. in Singapore. And I asked myself, well, who would probably have a lot of opinions? Well, mm-hmm. I started to take a lot of taxi rides that time mm-hmm. and really just asking the uncles and, and assuring them that this is all off the record. I just really want tell them, what do you want me to ask about? The, and, and the opinions range from everything from utility, um, utility subsidies down to um, down to what the CPF might be. What's this Merdeka generation package going to look like? Um, some of them chiming about security, but a lot of economic issues. Well, the Singapore Business Federation has a has their own wish list, and they want the budget to address the rising cost of doing business here in Singapore. And they're looking for tax relief and other business lifelines um, to perhaps help them out uh, with regards to the new budget. A number of investment strategists and also uh, researchers, such as, say, Selena Ling at OCBC, I remember she mentioned sometime last year when we were flirting with that technical recession, that there is a chance that there, this might be an expansionary budget this year, or fiscal stimulus might come about, because the impetus or the I guess the incentives for the government to do that are there. A, this could be a, a number one, a, a an election season. Right. Number two, 
there, we did flirt with that technical recession. And, uh, and number three, you know, uh, monetary authorities around the world, I don't think that MAS has actually been one of them recently, but I'm sure they've been thinking about it, saying, hey, maybe it's time for the fiscal side to start stepping up and doing their part. Mm-hmm. So there are all these factors that I'm sure the government's aware of also. And, uh, and it was also pointed out that the government does have quite the hefty generous surplus to actually increase the budget and help make sure that you know this technical recession scare that we had last year doesn't happen this time around. So to that e- effect, you know there is possibly room to provide some of these incentives, perhaps for 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 some of these businesses, if the government actually takes uh, take the Singapore Business Federation's own wish list seriously. Also, one thing they did mention also is that the this the small these small businesses are a little bit worried about manpower costs. It's not rising wages so much, but they are saying that they are grappling with stricter manpower policies and regulations, such as say the f- cut in foreign worker quota. And about 44% of the respondents have said that they have trouble hiring from a limited pool of local high-skilled talent. This was very interesting because I remember about 3 years after the global financial crisis there were actually a couple of uh, a couple of reports about well if people are grappling to find jobs in the US after the financial crisis why are all these businesses suddenly posting all of these job vacancies why are there so many job vacancies well, there are jobs out there why can't people fill them in and when they asked some of these businesses in the US during that time about 3 4 years at the time they said you don't get it over the last three years, technology has changed so much. Mm-hmm. We are opening jobs, but these are jobs that require very different skill sets that, frankly, the folks that lost their jobs in 2008 can't really fill at the moment, which is why you also saw this it return of a lot of these folks in the U.S. back to school to try to upgrade and upskill also. Again, I think this also is a lesson to be learned from that time. And maybe, and, you know, it, the checklist, at least, of the SBF reminds me of some of those reports. And I think it also is is a healthy reminder that if you are in the workforce, no matter what industry you're on, it's very important that you keep on upskilling and keep up with the trends of what's happening in your industry or any industry you might want to jump into, because your skills today might be might not be there in the future. And I think it's also our responsibility to make sure that we stay on top of of things, or else this could happen. Also, and uh, at the moment, they say that they are the SBF is saying that there's a limited pool of local high skill talents. That's why perhaps they're also asking for either some incentives to help them meet uh, the potential rising costs of, of labor, or maybe even to relax some of these, these laws. That well, playing around. devil's advocate, how about sure. this? Retain the workforce that you have rather than replacing them with newer, shinier, currently appropriately skilled labor and, and reskilling them. They already know what the culture is in your company. They already know how things work with you. Why don't you upskill them? And give them that opportunity well, to grow well, within the And perhaps the, the, the dialogue will then continue. And by the way, we're just pretending to be the SBF and the government <laughs> or the SBF and the companies also like, hey, man, all in good. We'd love to do the upscaling, upscaling, but we would love some support, at least if we're going to do, if we're going to do that. Because, again, it shows that we're all together in this, right? The mm-hmm. government, the small businesses, sure. uh, employees as and well. And it's back to incentives. <laughs> and that it's they back could to use. incentives yep. that they could use. So perhaps it's also a question now, if you're going to move the dialogue forward, what kind of incentives are you going to offer if the government is serious about doing this. Mm. Otherwise, it could just be your simple run-of-the-mill tax breaks, which I'm sure the government doesn't really want to do. At the uh, perhaps it's not. If there is a different way, perhaps well, they would entertain this. Tax breaks are kind of old-school thinking, anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Are there other ways to do this? Well, if the root of the problem really is, hey, we're having trouble me finding the finding actual local talent here to fill in some of these uh, high-skilled requirements, mm-hmm. we'll have to upskill them. The next question is, how long will it take to train folks up? 
because some of these new skills and perhaps some of these new job requirements might require six months, maybe six years. Who knows? I, I, I'm not entirely sure. It may be dependent on what industry you're in as well. But then it right? goes back to management, isn't it? How hmm. forward thinking is management? When were you thinking about this problem? Before it happened? Or are you reacting to a problem? Then maybe it's management that needs to change. And now the question also is, do the employees have the guts to ask their management about that? Uh, well, <laughs> And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> we will leave it at that. This has been Mark in the Arm. <laughs> Do you think what do you think value turnover is going to be at the end of closing bell today? Um, we're probably going to come in just a touch below a billion at the moment because <clears throat> we're at five hundred three at five hundred three right now, and it looks okay. Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to venture out and say we're probably going to come in just a hair below a, below a billion, but still, that's still uh, enough to say that there's enough value turnover to support the rally or the the gains that we've seen so far. Currently, the STI is up by 0.4 percent, so slowly but surely, they're also expanding some of those gains as we head closer into uh, towards the uh, end of the afternoon session or as we progress through the afternoon session. Uh, perhaps there's just a little bit of optimism also that uh, hey, this this phase one trade deal is actually going to get signed. I mean, Vice Premier Liu He has already been flown over there. The Chinese government's paid for their plane fare already to get there. They might as well get it done, right? I mean, that's the hope that many have. Fingers that crossed. Pa- that pen to paper will be done out in Washington, D.C. over the next 24 to 48 hours. Fingers crossed. Okay, <coughs> so this has been Market View for Workday Afternoon on Money FM 89.3. J.P. Ong comes back on air at 4 p.m. with Primetime with more business news, the latest business news. You need to stay with us. Before acting on the information on Money FM, Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.